Hi everyone, the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the following podcast belong solely to the host and its contributors. They are not necessarily the views of our employers, organizations, committees, or other group or individual. Hi, I'm Joseph Whitney. And I'm David Campbell. Welcome to Brewing with BIM. Where we talk about construction technology, processes, and beer. David, man, another episode of Brewing with Bim. Are you excited for this one? I am very excited for this episode, yeah. Uh, me too, me too. And, and the reason is, whenever we talk about Bim, uh, everybody thinks we're talking about it from a uh, design standpoint. But today, we are talking about Navisworks, which is post-design. Post um, and it's pretty synonymous when you talk to uh, general contractors and subcontractors, when you, when you mention Bim and their post-design. Navisworks is kind of the de facto tool. Um, have, what's your experience with Navisworks? I mean, I, I completely agree. I think that Navisworks, um, you know, as they call it, is the aggregator of all models. I think of Navisworks, I think of like a big conglomerate, right? It's able to take up any type of any type of file and bring them all together for that awesome clash detection. Um, well, for seeing everything as it is. Yeah, yeah, and and it's it's going to be an important conversation today, uh, just because of that that great aggregator uh, concept. But before we kick this podcast off, man, I got to ask you, what are you drinking? So for this week, uh, I'm pretty excited. We were talking about uh, Navisworks, and I'm thinking, you know, uh, conglomerates, right? I'm thinking of bringing things together. So this week, I decided to go with um, a blueberry bourbon basil. And it's actually from the Portland Cider Company, who decided to collaborate with Blue Star Donuts, the iconic oh, Portland-based donut shop. Yeah. And I'm not a donut person. I'm a bagel person just because of the East Coast to me. But I will say Blue Star makes amazing donuts, and they put – and I'm going to get a lot of flack for this – but they put Voodoo Donuts to shame, man. They really do. I honestly agree. The hardest thing is, you know, you're paying five, six bucks a donut, but sometimes it's it's worth it. And man, for this one, I'm thinking Portland Cider Company and Blue Star Donuts. That's a great collaboration in my mind. So I'm going to give it a try. All right, man. Got got collaboration in mind. You're <laughs> aggregating two, two uh, concepts. I, I like it. It fits. It fits. All right. What do you got? All right, man. So uh, last week I had the the uh, uh, great fortune of visiting some people in Connecticut and on my way back um, and I'm stopping at all these um, beer stores. I'm just looking for like convenience stores that sell beer and I'm just looking for something that uh, is something I hadn't had before. And I found this one kind of weird convenience store that it was kind of split right down the middle and half of it sold beer because Pennsylvania's got weird laws and the other half, uh, like it was some weird setup. I don't know, but the beer was totally separate. So I had to go through a different door and I, you know, go over there and I'm looking at beer. They had a separate cash register because this is part of uh, Pennsylvania law. And I, this, you know, I'm, I'm about to grab this, you know, beer that I've, I've had a million times, but I, you know, I just needed something unique that I can't really get in my, my neck of the woods. And then I look down and I see this orange six pack beer I'd never heard of before never had and right on the front it says orange 
the new ale. And I was like, man, I love citrus. I love beer. I love ales. So <laughs> figured I'd give it a try. And it is the, uh, I'm going to butcher this name, Susquehanna Brewing Company. So S-P-C. Uh, and it's orange is the new ale. And it's, uh, it's, uh, it's you know, like a standard American ale, but very, very much orange. And I'm not just talking like the zest, but it's like, it, it's got very strong, very pungent uh, uh, orange flavor. Um, it's overpowering, but it's like in a good way. So I'm, I'm a big fan. I've, uh, I've been crushing on these. I, I'm, uh, uh, I've only got about two or three left. So just enough for this podcast. <laughs> nice. Just enough, man. Okay. But uh, what, hey, man. I mean, that's, that's the most important part of this uh, this uh, podcast. And uh, so, so next next um, when we start actually brewing beers, uh, when we get to that part, I'm gonna say next time. It's not gonna be next time. But when we start doing that, man, we've got to do some citrus ales. I agree. I agree. I love. I love anything that you can put a little bit of citrus, like uh, some orange rind in. I always think of like a Belgian ale, like a what is it, Blue Moon? Some Blue Moon, yeah. Rind in it. Oh. Yeah. I'm a, I love the Hefs. Uh, anything with an orange rind is pretty good. Uh, oh, yeah. Wheat beers. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan. All right, man. So um, my beer had nothing to do with Navisworks, but a uh, very clever play for yours. I like that. <laughs> So, uh, you know, let's let's uh, take this back, kind of stick to that format that we came up with. We'll dive a little bit into the history. And I know you've been doing uh, a lot of research on this, just, just like I had. Um, so, so is there anything unique that you found about uh, the history of Navisworks? So I, I did like that, uh, well, Navisworks was actually created by Navisworks. Um, it was a subsidiary of Lightwork Design a uh, Sheffield UK based developer. So it's um, like an AutoCAD type company. Like they make like like they make an AutoCAD uh, competitive product, right? Yes, they do. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Cool. cool. No, it, it was it was pretty cool to kind of look back at the history of it. Um, you saw there for um, a little while it actually was known by a different name other than Navisworks. Uh, so I, I guess think, if we want to do the the whole trivia here I what think I know that, that name. Um, oh, it's something to do with water. Um, uh, water vapor. Uh, Jetstream. 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 Yes, it was. Yeah, I was thinking, it's like Jetstream. Yeah. 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 Yep. All right. All right. Yeah, that's a pretty cool fun fact for you guys out there. It was known as Jetstream there for a little while, and then it was acquired by Autodesk uh, in 2007 for, I want to say, $25, 26000000 million. Yeah, that uh, uh, pound, you know, British pound to U.S. dollar. You know, it's never accurate, right? Twenty-five, eighty, twenty-six. <laughs> yeah, that was Don't that quote happened. Us on statistics. In, uh... <laughs> exactly. Um, so that I think that happened uh, uh, early two thousands, like two thousand five, two thousand seven, somewhere in there, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Two thousand seven. So I'm looking at it now. Yeah, two thousand seven. And um, it was an important acquisition for Autodesk, right? So when we think about Autodesk, we think about design and engineering software. Autodesk is the 800-pound gorilla in design and engineering. But something that they didn't have was uh, um, a tool for construction at the time. I mean, they had some tools. Uh, Constructware, I think, was out about that time. But 
nothing that was really um, taking off in construction. Um, but Navis works. I mean, it is, it's, it, it's not a design tool. So let's you know get that out of the way. It's a design review tool. So that made it a very important acquisition for Autodesk because it meant that they could start um, selling and working with uh, general contractors that don't have in-house design teams, but had a hand, you know, as a general contractor would, and the uh, coordination efforts. So they needed to be able to run class detection between different file formats and see where there was um, uh, overlap between models or rather clashes between models. So, I mean, it was a very important acquisition in my mind. It set them up for what they're doing today with Navit or with uh, Ben through. I definitely agree. It really did. Um, I mean, honestly, Navisworks has set the uh, precedence there for a while. Um, I mean, you're you're seeing the, as we said before, the great aggregator of models is being able to take in any type of data and kind of conglomerate it all into one is is, is amazing. Yeah, yeah. And um, so it, it works with about 60 different file formats, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of this gets communicated to um, their their cloud applications as well, because uh, the whole BIM 360 stuff uh, works with about the same amount of file formats, if I'm not mistaken. So um, that that whole engine is very important to kind of the future of, of the the um, uh, the cloud efforts that Autodesk is is working on. Yeah. Especially because they're building out a lot of this class detection in the cloud as well. So it'll be inter- yeah. interesting to see more about the future. So maybe five years from now, we revisit Navisworks, and it's a completely different product because of this cloud integration. I agree, dude. I mean, if, I mean, honestly, I've gotten some time to uh, to check out BIM 360 Coordinate, which uh, to me brought a lot of resemblance from Navisworks, being able to do that automatic automatic clash detection, um, creating your views, saving your views. You know, creating issues from those active issues, assigning responsibility. It, it's a it's a great workflow, especially when you add in something like design, where everybody is storing. I mean, well, it goes off of docs, right? Where everybody's storing their central model and kind of updating those models. Either they're publishing or doing the whole live linking workflow. And the great thing about that is, is when that's all connected, you know that. Uh, BIM 360 coordinate that your model is updating and it's doing automatic clash detection for you as those models are updating to make sure that any issues that are, you know, arising from that uh, are being notified and taken care of. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And and there was an integration previously um, uh, with the old version of BIM 360, mm-hmm. which was uh, Glue. Mm-hmm. It was a pretty remarkable integration. But um, it's it, at the same time it was kind of limited because the and we'll talk more about this integration as we talk about the future the the other integration piece that we're going to be talking about. But it was really important because it allowed us to to take those native viewpoints, push them in the cloud, and collaborate in the cloud so everybody could run their own micro uh, clashes rather uh, instead yeah. of sitting at uh, you know scheduling out eight hour session on a Friday. Uh, to go through all of you know clashes and have this ridiculous coordination meeting what it did is allow people to um, manage those little issues on their own and then our coordination meeting on on a friday or whatever it is ends up being two hours instead of the, the full eight because we're being proactive yep um so 
I got a trivia question for you. Oh. What are the three file formats that uh, are native Navisworks uh, file formats? So you have a NWF, a NWD, and an NWC. All right. Do you know the difference between each? So typically, I did my research here. <laughs> all right. All right. So typically, um, an NWF file contains the index of all the model files that you're using. It stores all the other Navisworks data. Um, the NWD is if you have an actual Navisworks license, it, the, it stores all the Navisworks-specific data, uh, um, as well as the geometry of the actual model. And um, they're a little more compact than the original CAD files, but they can be loaded uh, quickly into Navis. Um, and then your NWC, um, which are like the collaborate or the clash models, but they cached. they contain like a yep the cached. cached they're the cached yes. version of the converted model geometry, and they're typically created by uh, the Navisworks exporters to allow the users to pass files into Navis and be saved into the NWF or NWD file format. Yeah, typically with the NWC, whenever you open a file from AutoCAD or Revit, um, it's saving a uh, an NWC. So that way, um, every time you, you you open from that file, it's always going to look and see if there's an NWC. Is that NWC newer than that AutoCAD file? And it's automatically going to update that uh, that link, essentially. So your NWC is very important, and it makes it easier to open. Um, NWD is a, a snapshot of the entire project. It stores geometry, red lines, uh, clashes. It stores everything. It's pretty, pretty remarkable. So... Um, I think you 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 know you got my trivia question. I'll give you a 100 on that. So so that's good, man. Uh, <laughs> um, you, you're you're up on your stuff. I like it. Um, so who are the primary users of uh, Navisworks? Um, for me, I'm seeing a lot of uh, VDC. Um, you're gonna see some subcontractors, especially your MEP. And then, of course, your GCs and anybody like a design build, I would say. Yeah, yeah, that's that's you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. So uh, pretty much anybody that um, has a hand in constructability. Right. So as a um, self-performing contractor or a, a uh, subcontractor, um, I rely on the coordination efforts um, because I need to know if my my pipe or duct is hitting that, that steel. Um, because we're not going to move the steel, but it's going to cost me money and time later on to have to refabricate what I had already fabricated. Uh, and it becomes a real issue. So um, if I could back up for a second, we were talking about in our previous episodes, uh, a lot of prefabrication and uh, modular construction. Um, so as I build these, skid, these skids um, that go on site and they're you know, uh, fully coordinated between all the subcontractors um, and they have everything on them. They're very, very, you know, uh, they save a lot of time, I guess is what I'm yep. trying to say, uh, because we do a lot of work at front. If we didn't have a clash detection and coordination tool to align where everything needs to go for everybody, uh, um, you know, we'd have somebody go in there and they'd have all their, their bends and everything all prefabricated. Then we have somebody else go in there with all their, you know, say their sheet metal already cut and uh, all that stuff. But, you know, if there's... Um, you know, a piece of steel in the way or somebody's, mm -hmm. you know, uh, say the electrical guys got in there for whatever reason, that never happens. But if the electrical guys got in there for whatever reason, 
their cable trays were taking up space that I needed for my um, um, insulation or something like that for yep. my, for my, uh, my, my duct. That becomes an issue. So we have to go back to the shop, refabricate, cost us money. Who's eating that dollar? Like, is it my fault or is it the electrician's fault for putting that there? Like, so, so this becomes a real uh, contentious issue. So by having, uh, a, you know, two things, by having a schedule of, of who does what, when, and also by um, doing all this uh, um, clash detection pre-construction, so uh, post-design, but pre-construction, uh, it'll save us a lot of time. So typically the process is the mechanical piping contractors, they won't even begin to fabricate until coordination is done because they want to uh, do their fabrication based off of the coordinated model Yep. for that specific segment of the project. So very, very important. And GCs, obviously, um, we see a lot of GCs um, that'll be in charge of coordination, but really the mechanical and piping contractors, for the most part, on the larger projects that, that, I, that I've seen, um, are the ones that have so much invested in it that um, they're, you know, they're really uh, trying to take over that meeting for, for their benefit, obviously. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all it's CYA. And then, of course, um, save money. We all want to want to make sure that we're not wasting time doing something. They're not going off of um, any. Well, I want to say not current drawings, any mistakes that are made. It, it, it's very costly. So being able to detect these issues earlier um, saves everybody time in saves everybody money exactly well that's the name of the game in construction uh that's why this uh, automation and prefabrication and all that stuff is is so hot right now is because uh they promise time savings which is cost savings and they also produce cost savings in the in the form of uh, reduced rework and the reduced uh waste and reduced labor obviously but yeah yep. so um speaking of cost savings the cost of adoption um uh, so a typical seat, uh, this is all from the Autodesk websites. They're running a bunch of promos, obviously. Um, again, go to your resellers. Um, cost of adoption for this. There are three specific versions, or at least there were three specific versions of Navisworks. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll even say there's four. So the first one was uh, Navisworks Freedom. They kind of did away with that. It's just a free viewer, essentially. It allows you to do everything you want with Navisworks, but you can't save anything, so it's kind of pointless. Uh, in fact, actually, I believe now you can't, uh, or maybe you can never. I haven't had to try this because I've always had Manage, but uh, I don't even think you can open NWCs with it. But um, so there was the free version, allows you to open files, view stuff, you know, walk around, explore the model, that sort of stuff. Then there's Simulate. Simulate is pretty much everything but uh, class detection and I believe Timeliner, and we'll talk about those features in a little bit. And then there's Manage. Manage is the, the go-to one. It's the one that most people have because uh, Manage has the coordination, the class detection tools in there. Um, and then, you know, so that's $21.75 for a seat of Manage. And then for about $700 more, I guess $650 more rather, um, you can get, or maybe my math's off, but whatever. Ever. <laughs> you can get a seat of ABC collections for $28.25. Don't quote us on math, guys. Don't uh, quote um, us on statistics. Don't quote us on anything. Oh, man. <laughs> Just don't quote us. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to bust out the calculator real quick. Uh, what did I say? I said $28.25 minus $21.75. So $28.25 subtract $21.75. 
boom, I was right. $650. Woo. Uh, <laughs> you drink more, uh, more of this smart juice, man. It's really working. Uh, it's all the vitamin C in my, my orange flavored beer. Um, <laughs> all right. So 2825, we'll get you a full seat of AEC collections. I like the AEC collection because I like having all the tools. I like never not being without a tool. It's why whenever I go to the tool store, I see a new tool I don't have. I have to have it even if I don't know what it does or if I will never, ever use it. Maybe once I will try and find a use for it, but I just don't ever want to be without tools. It's kind of kind of my philosophy, man. And I know you've got quite the, quite the tool set up as well, so you can't just laugh at me there. No, no I can't, no. All right, all right. So moving on to the cost of, through the cost of adoption. So we got three 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 um, real packages of Navisworks: simulate, manage, AEC collection. Uh, Freedom is a free version, uh, but there's one more. And uh, you mentioned it earlier. You said BIM 360 coordinate. I think if you buy, I think it's 25 licenses of BIM 360 coordinate, get five seats of Navisworks with you with it. Which this is important because you get the automated class detection, and you can actually. Um, host all this stuff in the cloud um, and uh, as people upload their their change models all that stuff it automatically updates your your model or your your clash clash uh, aggregate matrix i guess rather is the word um, and it'll uh, allow you to assign issues and you know tell people to fix stuff uh, so again you're not spending eight hours in a coordination meeting um, so those are really the four primary ones that you can pay for um uh again you know chat with the reseller if you want to know more information or hit up david and i on, on linkedin twitter wherever uh we'll be more than happy to answer any questions around that stuff um training man um so i've seen training kind of all over the place uh what's the how many days of training have you what's the like have you done any research in this i guess i should probably backtrack and ask you that yeah, so I've done I've done a little bit. I mean, it de really depends on the workflow. I would say that you're trying to use in Navisworks. Um, it can go one day up to three days, in terms of if you, if you're trying to learn everything there is about Navisworks, how to intake models, how to well go through the timeline or workflow, how to do clash detection. I mean, everything like that. We could take a day, two days. Uh, it, it really just depends on the, on the workflow that you're trying to achieve because, I mean, Navis can be, um, I, I don't want to say deep, but it, it can be, honestly. You, you can go a little deeper and deeper into it the more features that you're you're trying to adopt, the more workflows you're trying to adopt from within Navis. Yeah, that's and that's like with any, any other software or, or workflow out there, really. Uh, the deeper you dive, the, the longer the, the, the learning curve, the steeper the learning curve. Uh, there are two features inside of Navisworks that uh, I specifically haven't used, and we'll talk about this in the next segment a little bit more, but it's because they require a lot of setup or, you know, that sort of stuff. But they are ones that I imagine would pack on another day or, you know, two days worth of training, and that's Timeliner and QTO. Um, oh, and so there's obviously e-training out there. We mentioned the cost of e-training on other podcasts. Uh, you know, you can get e-training anywhere from 100, 150 bucks, 500 bucks, whatever. Um, the in-program tutorials are actually really nice. Navisworks is a pretty well-established product, so there's a lot of great uh, in-program tutorials. And if you have questions, especially, um, you know, you want to work with IFC files, but, you know, yet you can't kick out DWGs or whatever, like, there's a lot of stuff out there that, that'll help you work through, the, you know, those files. Like, uh, 
uh, we'll talk about advanced workflows here in a minute. But um, yeah, yeah, there's there's great programs and tools out there. Google is always your best friend. YouTube's great. Um, or again, hit us up. If we don't know, we'll, we'll find somebody in the industry that does. Um, benefits, man. Uh, so this kind of goes hand in hand with our functions and workflow conversation. Um, what do you think, if I asked you, what is the number one function uh, that comes to mind when somebody says Navisworks? Like what is that that first function that, that you think is uh, happening? Uh, if it's me, I'm, I'm going towards uh, clash detection. All right. Yeah, that's that's it, man. You get a gold star. Ooh, right. Yes. The me- the metaphorical metaphorical is that a word? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, me- meta- yeah, whatever. The, it is. Yes. The, uh, fake, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, ah, man. Again, too many beers. Metaphorical cookie there. I'm not actually gonna give you one, but but you get a you get a cookie, imaginary cookie there. Um, yeah. So uh, interference check, clash detection, all that sort of stuff. Um, very, very important. Well, I guess interference check is, uh, Revit, but, uh, clash detection, very important, uh, function. Um, when we talk about Navisworks, um, kind of got an aggregate model. So it pen yeah. various models together. It allows you to consume about 60 different file formats. You bring in all these different files. Doesn't matter what they're using. You can, uh, uh, pit their 3d geometry against each other. If you're the GC, you're working with the designers and engineers, you pit all that stuff against each other and it allows you to see, well, hey, this isn't constructible. I need you to go fix this, this, and this before we actually get out in the field. Very important uh, feature there. Um, and you know, I mentioned this earlier, the meaning uh, is very synonymous with BIM, uh, especially when we talk uh, post-design, uh, still in that pre-construction phase. Uh, um, because um, if you're a non-designer, but you want to know or you know how to use these design files for design review and constructability, Navisworks is the tool where all this happens. Yeah, it is. I mean, it really brings everything together, kind of as you say, and being able to see the existing to the new design, or you know, just the steel design, whether they're designing it in any other type of um, design program, bringing that together, uh, just being able to see all everything come together is amazing for pushing forward in, into into the actual construction. Well, there's a reason why it's called the great aggregator. Um, yeah, uh, bringing all those different file formats together, um, very important. And then, the, you know, we mentioned Timeliner and QTO and stuff earlier. Those are, um, you know, how many people, like, do you come across that a lot? Like, do you see a lot of people, you know, playing with QTO and Navis uh, or doing the Timeliner? I've seen Timeliner when people want to, you know, um, when they've got heavy equipment coming on site and they want to, you know, see what that looks like. Uh, but, but have you seen too many, you know, GCs or anybody playing with that feature? No, those unfortunately, features? I haven't. Um... We're just not really seeing that. I mean, I've seen a lot of people still tied to Excel spreadsheets, which actually is where um, the QTO feature kind of shines, being able to um, take all that data and push it out into a spreadsheet that you can then push out into, you know, QuickBit or whatever um, it is that you're using um, that can intake that data. Um, I just haven't seen, I haven't seen too much, too much adaption of it yet. 
No. Adoption. Adoption. Adaption. Adaption. <laughs> East Coast, man. Adaption. I told you I was in Connecticut the uh, past few days. And I, I'm from Massachusetts originally. I'm from Worcester. Um, and I hear all these people talking. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Did I used to sound like this? This is crazy. Uh, adaption. Go talk to car. Oh, man. I can make fun of them because I am one of them. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, so uh, Timeliner, probably not that uh, well-adopted, adapted. Um, <laughs> uh, clash detection, though, I mean, that is like a that is a key tool that, it is. That, that everybody is using. Again, because you can aggregate so many models, um, you got your, uh, your mechanical subcontractor giving you uh, AutoCAD MEP files or FabCAD or whatever whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. Kidney out files for you. You got um, uh, your structural detailers giving you, you know, Tecla files. You got, um, you know, structural engineer and architecture giving you Revit files. I mean, you got to be able to bring all these together. Um, and the best way to do that, again, it's it's Navisworks all day long. Uh, the QTO functionality, I've seen some cool stuff with QTO. I just haven't seen too many people using it. Um, like I see it, I see when I see it being used, it's remarkable because people have a lot of setup in it, but I just haven't seen that many people actually, um, do it. Uh, I do see a lot of uh, stuff that's right up your alley. I see a lot of QTO done in Bluebeam. Um, and I always see a lot of Bluebeam used in conjunction with Navisworks, especially during those coordination meetings. You you got, uh, Navisworks up on one screen, uh, and you got Bluebeam up on the other. And then if there's a design application, that, that, you know, say I'm the subcontractor and I had uh, a part in design. Um, so while we're re- reviewing everything with Bluebeam and Navisworks, I also have my design application up so I can make those changes as we documented them at the same time. So yeah. I, I see that a lot. Um, plugins, man. This is important because there are a lot of them. Uh, and I know you are very familiar with with uh, one of my favorites uh, for floor flatness. Um, this is a workflow that you're, you're pretty... Yeah, yeah, rhythm. Uh, yeah. I, I should say uh, I'm, I like the verification workflow more than the floor flatness, but I'm wowed by the floor flatness as well. Um, so if you want to talk about that, man, yeah. Definitely. I mean, honestly, I love both of them. I'm also leaning more towards the verification of everything, but... The floor flatness itself, being able to see, I mean, because that's really, if you want to think about it, where it all starts. If you're allowing everybody to, well, allowing, right? But you're seeing everybody kind of go out, they're pouring the concrete, being able to take a scan of that, push it into Navis, take it into Rhythm, and and, and literally see a heat map or deviation report, um, or being able to see the the contours, right, of being of seeing where any any off points any of your high points and low points are in that slab as it's drying so you can literally go out as it's curing excuse me as it's curing you're going to be able to go ahead and just um, push that out any high points you can kind of push it out into any low points and and kind of literally give the best slab overall and i mean if i'm honest um being able to coordinate with people that are working here on the west coast i'm able to go up to seattle and see the the amazon building right thinking of how the automation of the amazon building and how everything is down to a precise kind of number having to know that your slab 
is at this this flatness or this drop overall for these robotics and this automation to work. It's it's amazing thinking of how we can see all of that and kind of predict where we're going with it just by utilizing a scan and, and this plugin. Yeah, hey, I, I I definitely get that. I'm a big fan of scanning, um, but that that uh, floor flatness workflow uh, before the concrete dries, I mean that's awesome. Like that, that's a huge time saver. Um, we have some functionality like that, and in, in this tool that I, I'd like to talk about next, um, Autodesk Point Layout APL. We talked about it in conjunction with AutoCAD and Revit, but now we'll talk about it in conjunction with Navisworks because it's kind of unique uh, in this way. Um, so it, in, in uh, at least in Revit, we had a similar workflow where we could do um, uh, kind of analysis, slab analysis, but it would look at walls to any flat surface. And we could, you know, see the highs and lows and all that sort of same sort of stuff. Um, so, so also with APL, the reason why it's so unique with um, Navisworks is Navisworks is not a geometry creation tool. Yeah, uh, I can place points, rather create geometry inside of Navisworks without an S point layout. Um, so I can create new geometry that is not there, these little squares or cubes or whatever I use to uh, uh, signify points mm-hmm. inside of a Navisworks model, which to me is, I don't know why I'm so blown away by this, but uh, um, it's, um, it, I don't know. It's a tool that you can't create point, you can't create geometry, but I'm creating geometry. I don't, I'm just that simple, man. But uh, <laughs> breaking the rules. I, I like it for that functionality. Yeah, hey, it's breaking the rules. There you go, man. I'm a rebel, dude. Uh, I, like, I like the rebel tools. I'm a rebel and a root for underdogs. Um, yeah, so uh, I, I like it for that functionality, but then it's got a great tie-in to this next tool, which has been 360. We talked about coordinate earlier. Um, there were some really cool workflows, uh, even with glue, where inside of Navisworks, um, there's a bin 360 um, uh, um, ribbon shows up. Um, so it would actually allow me to tap into bin 360 glue and uh, I could, you know, sync views, save views between uh, Navis, Navisworks and Bin360 Glue, or if I had already run uh, Detail Clash uh, detection inside of Navisworks, I can, you know, trans, transverse those, uh, not transverse, but uh, save those uh, viewpoints to uh, save views, is what they're called in uh, uh, Glue. I can I can uh, make those show up there. Or if I'm just on the iPad and I don't really care what the desktop uh, version of glue sees i can on the ipad i can actually go to um the settings for the app and actually toggle on show native viewpoints and i would see all my navisworks uh, viewpoints but uh, i love that whole old workflow even they were disconnected i loved being able to talk between field and glue and and uh the design applications i thought it was just really cool um to get that stuff going uh navisworks tying into there was really great uh being able to uh access that stuff right in your desktop and if you bought um, like i said 25 pack of glue at the time you would get five seats of navisworks manage as well as five, i believe five seats of uh Autodesk point layout so you got that stuff with it for free and i'm a big proponent of free and i like doing uh layout in the cloud so uh they both spoke my language <laughs> there you go yeah just think of that adam sandler quote like when he's like for free for free. Yes, it's yeah. for free. <laughs> <laughs> for 
Well, nothing's for free. Nothing's but for free. You, I mean, you pay for it one way or another, but you were going to pay for a 25-pack of glue anyway, so why not get the five seats of Navisworks Vintage with it? It's much cheaper to buy a 25-pack of glue uh, um, at the time than it was to buy, I think, five seats of Navisworks Vintage anyways and five seats of APL, so it worked out. Um, so, I mean, that's cool for enabling the cloud, that sort of stuff, but how do you make Navisworks more user-friendly? How do you actually make the the clashes mean something. Well, that actually ties into a lot of a lot of various, and there are lots of them, these lightweight tools that sit on top of Navisworks that allow yeah. us to kind of streamline the whole clash detection, make clash easier, make the communication aspect easier and grouping and color coding and blah, 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 like you know, the sky's the limit, right? Um, there's a few out there that I really, you know, kind of flock to. One was Sherlock, I like that. It's like, you know, 700, 700 bucks a year. Um, I had a, a local GC tell me about it and played with it. It was great. Um, and then the other one, one that I really like, um, and that's just because we got a great relationship with the, 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 you know, one of the guys there is iConstruct. Um, and iConstruct, you know, it does a lot of things. So one is that um, it allows us to, um, you know, do that like clash detection like they have a version for that that's called just clash but then they have a really robust version of iConstruct that allows us to like automate stuff there's uh, this whole like bim bim flow uh where you're automating and scheduling and, and grouping and all this stuff and you set up this template and it automatically uh, runs your clash detection for you based off of all the files that are uploaded it's pretty remarkable uh requires you know a fair bit of setup right nothing's uh working outside of the box but I really like that aspect in advanced work packages and all that stuff. Um, I think it was really great. Uh, was there was there any specific Navisworks add-ons that you had uh, kind of explored in the past? Well, you know, if I <laughs> I've kind of talked about it in previous podcasts, but Verity, I did like the Verity um, add-in there where you're able to do a type of clash detection, but it's verification really of the ex existing conditions um, or as construction kind of goes on, being able to um, verify what people are constructing uh, compared to the design model, uh, things like that. If I'm honest, you know, we're seeing a lot of uh, refit kind of jobs where we're rehabbing, we're going into the existing structures and <clears throat> having to update them for the new owners. And a lot of times what we'll find out is these buildings um, either don't have CAD drawings or they have some old hand drawings um, or, or they might have CAD drawings that are from the, the, you know, the early 80s, but they're all printed out on paper and a lot of times the paper doesn't survive. And we're having issues of trying to go out, you know, um, take notes of the existing structures, take measurements, trying to detail that in design and document all of that. Um, scanners are coming a long way um, in, in adoption in terms of being able to document anything that is going on within that existing structure, but uh, we're still seeing that kind of adoption curve, right? Where we're seeing more of it, but it's still not where it really needs to be. But being able to verify a scan against um, a Revit, you know, model, I want to say, um, or anything like that uh, compared to, you know, well, being able to compare them together and 
really notate those differences if there are any and be able to create issues there is going to save anybody time and money um and then as you're kind of pushing forward into the process itself right uh we're seeing construction going forward and with these general contractors or even design built where we're working with several subcontractors at one time being able to document things as they're going and, and timeline things from uh, uh, well from Navis but being able to document and timeline it based off of your scans and the design modeling comparisons there and, and seeing kind of oh we're lacking here we might need to put more people towards this kind of task or hey um, we're way off here what's going on uh, anything like that documenting those those issues early on is going to be able to save like I said, a lot of time and money going throughout the, the entire process. Yeah, and I, I completely agree. Um, the, uh, you know, any, any place where you can save money, uh, obviously is, you know, uh, as long as you can uh, contextualize that ROI for somebody, right? Uh, yeah. Provide that ROI, that real value, um, it's a no-brainer. Uh, I've seen some really cool stuff with that Verity workflow. Um, that Verity plugin where they were uh, looking at uh, airports or, or I forget the actual building, but the steel was the wrong size and all that stuff. And it was just a tremendous cost uh, cost savings to them. Yep. You know, it was funny. So, I looked at a case study out of, of uh, Nashville and it, it, it was a steel building where uh, they had everything fabricated when they came out. Um, the steel was actually cut wrong. And because they had cut the steel wrong and they laid it all out, the overall face of the building was going to be, what, two inches off, I think it was. And Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was crazy. They were going to go out and pour these slabs on the site for these floors and the roof, and they realized there was a gap. And nobody had even thought that, you know, it, it was going to happen. But the decking, everything, because everything was, you know, quoted as such. They started going out. They're placing everything, and they realized, hey um, – there's a there's a gap here. We need to take care of this. And luckily, they took care of it before the slab was poured. You know, it didn't cost too much more money to make those adjustments at that time. But if everybody had come out and, and started working and, and think business as usual, it, it would have it really would have taken them back. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's really remarkable. Uh, maybe we should uh, uh, find some of those links to those. Um, uh um, case studies, that's the word. Yes, um, yeah. And, and start throwing those out on LinkedIn, or, or maybe we'll tag them on our, our website. Yeah. Got to got to start throwing some more stuff up there. So, uh, you know, always looking forward to content. If you guys have a request for anything that we've talked about in our podcast, give us a shout out. Let us know. Happy to provide any of that information. Yeah. And uh, yeah, LinkedIn's probably Twitter. the best way to. Yeah, yeah, we have a Twitter. Yeah, it's Twitter. <laughs> Big time, man. Got Twitter. <laughs> My uh, my kids watch this show called uh, Austin and Allie. Uh, it's a canceled Disney show, um, but uh, it was on for like four or five years. And uh, on it, they were they called it Tweeter, and they were sending twits. So it was kind of just opposite. <laughs> they were like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm on I'm on Tweeter now. I have 11 followers. I'm official. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, 11 followers. That actually sounds pretty good. <laughs> right. I just don't do enough with Twitter, but but now we're official, so so we'll start posting some of the stuff up there. So I, I made a Twitter a long time ago, 
And, you know, since we started this podcast, I'm like, all right, I'll just I'll get back into my Twitter and, and see kind of how to use this because I've never used it. I've never really sent out a tweet. And I, I I'm sitting there today and I'm thinking about it like what what should my first tweet be? Like this has got to be pretty big, right? I can't just send anything out for my first tweet. <laughs> like, what is this gonna be? I have not yet released my first tweet. <laughs> well, well, here's the deal: you probably don't have enough followers or any followers, anyways. So your first tweet doesn't really matter. Just gonna say that. Um, I've been really poor at, at my my uh, my Twitter uh, account, anyways, because um, I tend to like just copy whatever's on my LinkedIn and just share it to my Twitter. Uh, but we'll we'll do something different for our Brewing with BIM Twitter, um, where we share real content that's different, you know, different uh, across all platforms. I think Twitter allows us to engage with people in a different uh, different formats. Um, plus, uh, there's a lot more content being shared on Twitter that's you know in the industry, whereas LinkedIn it's kind of stale. People are a little bit maybe I'm just gonna say it, a little people are a little bit salesy, you know, sharing sharing information in a sales manner, but there's more honest reviews and more honest information, I feel. On Twitter, of course, there's a lot of negative that goes with that, but I don't know. I think uh, Twitter might be a, a great uh, platform to share some of those technical um, um, resources and, and material that we were talking about. Yeah, I'm excited to learn more about it. <laughs> I still got to, I still got to figure my way around Twitter, uh, but uh, I'll figure, Twitter. I'll figure it out. <laughs> Damn it, we're millennials. This is this is supposed to be in our blood. <laughs> right. Like I started with MySpace and then I went to Facebook and everything after that. I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much it, man. Anything after that. Um, I actually canceled my uh, my Facebook. I uh, There's too much contention going on. And I, I found myself just being roped into it, um, like allowing myself to be roped into it more than I should have. So uh, I was just like, eh, I've had enough of this. Uh, you guys are my friends. I want to keep you as my friends. For that reason, I'm getting off this platform. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, don't follow me personally. Yeah, I'm warning you. Don't follow me personally on Twitter because it's probably going to be boring. But our brewing with BIM one will be more interesting. Right. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. So. You see pictures yeah. of my kids. <laughs> that's that's pretty much what you're you're going to see. Pictures of my kids. Is, um, I don't know, a lot of, of uh, uh, leadership, motivational stuff, and a lot of stuff about the Red Sox. I mean, and I will not apologize for that. <laughs> well, all right, man. And uh, I think we had a good episode. We chatted about a lot of different things. Uh, Navis works a lot shorter to get through, I guess, for us uh, uh, than Revit. Um, so we didn't take up an hour and a half or however long we took up with Revit. Uh, I think our AutoCAD one was probably about that long as well, um, but um, we got you know through a lot of content pretty quickly uh, without really having to dive too much. I mean, Navisworks again, it's not a design tool. We can't pump it really full of this information that we want, but it allows us to actually uh, view uh, file information, property information from other various files, um, regardless of what they are. Again, 65 formats, um, a lot of great plugins. And it was called Jetstream. Thank you for that, David. It was called Jetstream. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I, I really think that I'm excited to see, uh, and I know we've kind of talked about it already, but BIM 360 coordinate, uh, I'm really excited to see where that goes. Being able to create your own 
um, coordination spaces, multiple coordination spaces within one, um, kind of saving those views, creating issues, and alerting everybody that's involved in that process and seeing where that goes, you know, as it's combined with you know, BIM 360 cost, uh, integrating assemble there, being able to, you know, take your entire model and, and just rip it apart and say, okay, well, it's going to cost you this much, you know, uh, uh, and then pushing that data out in terms of uh, seeing what our schedule looks like, what our timeline looks like, any issues that we're having. It, it's a beautiful workflow. And I'm, I'm kind of excited to see where we go as everything continues to go up. I want to say they're meshing everything together into the cloud, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, that's essentially the future of all construction is that we're all getting, and, you know, maybe even design one day, is that we're all going to be, working in the cloud in some capacity because it allows for automation, predictive analytics. Um, I mean, a whole bunch of stuff that stuff that we haven't even thought about. Again, we talked about this on another podcast that we are babies. We don't know anything, man. We're like, uh, we, we can, we can, you know, fly through some stuff. We can, you know, uh, do layout. We can do, uh, modeling. We can do class detection. Like we can do the basics. Like we, we got that pretty much unlocked and we have a, an idea of what's out there, right? We know that people are out there running. We know that people are sprinting and running marathons, but we don't know how to do that yet. So uh, I look forward to actually chatting with people um, who are pushing the boundaries a little bit further in this space, especially as we talk about the cloud, because they're probably using it in, in really robust ways that we haven't even begun to think about. Oh, yes, definitely. And you know what? If I can give my review of this blur, uh, blur, this blueberry bourbon basil. That's that's a that's a that's a mouthful. But this blueberry bourbon basil there, it is a uh, a great cider. Actually, it's it's very good. I've enjoyed this. Well, hey man, that's good. Um, I I, I like these onion jails. I just don't know that I want to drink six in a row. Um, oh no, no. No, I could. I don't think I could drink more than like one or two of these before I start getting heartburn. But <laughs> gosh, you're such a wimp, man. I know, right? Oh, like Gary 31. <laughs> I'm 31. No, it's all right. Speaking of being in your 30s, and um, uh, I find myself, I'm I'm 35, and I'm turning 36 this year, and I found um, I. I really want an Xbox. I really want to start playing video games again, but I, I have been, I've lost so much time of my life to playing Halo 1, Halo 2, Halo, I think Halo 3, even like playing all those video games. I just lost my life to those first person shooters. While I was in New York uh, visiting with my family, um, you know, my wife's uh, stepbrother, little brother, not her stepbrother, her little brother um, was playing uh, Call of Duty, and I've just been like, drooling over it and i'm just like oh I'll, I'll buy myself an xbox i'll buy myself an xbox i was playing around on my phone about a, i don't know a few weeks back and i found the call of duty mobile app and i haven't put down my phone since man i'm like level 101 right now like just just murder people <laughs> i'm 35 and i'm like oh my gosh i need a real hobby this <laughs> is awesome. oh my gosh you man. know if i can if i can share some pretty funny information but um during my second deployment uh, we did a lot of route clearance, right? But there'd be times when you're down for maintenance days, things like that. You're back on the fob for a little bit of time, even after you finish clearing and, and you're back from mission. What we'd do is we'd hook up PlayStation 3s and we had everybody on Call of Duty and we would run a um, 
just we would run missions, just entire maps with our company. So we'd land pretty much everybody together, <laughs> and oh, we would run Call of Duty uh, multiplayer back at our fob. It was uh, it was amazing. It was. I love that game for that aspect. Dude, it's so fun, man. I, I love uh, linking up with people and just just crushing people. Oh yeah, the online is my favorite. Yeah. Like my, honestly, my favorite kind of part of Call of Duty. I could I could go through that game just leveling up in, in online and never really touching the campaign. Yeah. I don't think I've played any of the, the campaign stuff. I know there's like zombies and all that stuff, man. I just want to go out and do the front line. And I, I have two maps that I really like, but I'll go in there and just, uh, you know, uh, it's like first to 50 or something like that. And I'll put up like 36 kills by myself, just straight running the board. I love it, man. I put I'm kind of scared to download it. I'm thinking I want to, but then I'm nervous because I'm like, man, I'm going to get sucked in. <laughs> Ah, man. So, uh, you know, while I'm traveling the country and giving these uh, BIM talks and just chatting with various people, um, I find myself back at the hotel room and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll turn on the the TV and see what's on. But, uh, you know, I'll I'll just pick up my phone, send my wife a text, you know, uh, uh, send my kids emojis or whatever. And next thing I know, I've got the game opened and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to watch I'm going to watch this TV show that's coming on, Um, you know, Diner Dragons Dives or whatever. Ever, and I, I never do it. I'm just stuck in my phone. And before I know it, I look up and it's like, oh, it's uh, time for me to go to sleep. <laughs> oh, man. It's dangerous, dangerous, dangerous. But, hey, man, that's the life of a, a 30-year-old, 31, 35-year-old. Hey, uh, could be worse. Could be worse things. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, first world problems, right? Yeah. All right, man. Well, this was a, a fun podcast. Uh, I definitely enjoyed the tangents and the conversation. I think um next week you know you know stop me if i'm wrong but are we going to be doing bim 360 next week let's do bim 360 i really I, think that it would be a good conversation to have this, this is going to be like a seven hour podcast by the way <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've, I've been involved with bim 360 now for probably four maybe five years i don't remember how long but it's it's been a while um, and I felt the frustration as, uh, the change, and we'll talk about this on the next episode, but as, you know, waiting for the next changes, cause I'm part of the beta and I'm like, I know this is coming, release it, release it. It's gotta be frustrating. And I mean, knowing that it, what it's capable of and, and wanting it to get there and we're seeing it kind of start to transition more and more, um, they're adding in more functionalities, more capability as you're seeing through the construction cloud, right? Um, excuse me, <laughs> the beer's kicking in. But uh, as you're seeing through the adoption of building connected, of assemble, of plan grid, you're seeing all of this information coming into BIM 360. And the more that um, we connect these workflows to connect the entire process, I think it is going to be, it's amazing. It really is. Well, I- Anytime that we can work across multiple um, uh, platforms and tie into one and be able to share and view and and aggregate data, we talk about Navisworks being a great aggregator. BIM 360 is a great aggregator as well because it's taking pretty much any file format, not necessarily merging them all into one unless we're talking about coordinate and the specific file formats, but But being being able able to take all those. Exactly, exactly. Oh, and... uh, I wanted to give a pro tip that I actually forgot. Uh, I forgot to write this down. But pro tip, 
if you are working in Inventor and you want to do layout, it's pretty dang hard. Uh, you can bring it to AutoCAD. You can bring it uh, through Revit, but you lose all the hierarchy. And I found this out by working with um, uh, somebody on some BIM 360 layout stuff. Uh, but being able to want to use BIM 360 layouts, uh, Navisworks is a great way to get there. So I, you can take in that uh, inventor file um, into Navisworks, keep all the hierarchy data that you want for all your systems and all that stuff, and uh, be able to automate layouts um, just by selecting similar of whatever items you're looking for. And you can choose you know, the geometry, the specific position that you want, you know, front, back, middle, top, center, whatever. Um, Select similar, use point layout to lay out the points and push it all out, and then it'll go up to BIM 360. So I just wanted to give a, an advanced workflow real quick for anybody uh, that... Dude, can I push one out too? Go right ahead, man. Okay, so if, if you guys are interested in that verification workflow, if anybody is doing verification, so if you bring in, like, let's say, a Revit model, so that's my specialty, right? But bringing back... Um, if you can go into that Revit model through the selection tree, and as you're actually going to send elements up, so let's say you're doing uh, any type of piping, if you want to concentrate on any specific pipe runs, things like that, or you're looking at uh, fire sprinklers, anything like that, um, you're able to separate those and break those down. Uh, if you look under the selection tree, break it down to your different runs and your pipe types and, and go ahead and select those as you're pushing them up to do them in verification. That is going to save you so much time being able to, I, I guess, um, narrow it down to exactly what information you're trying to see in terms of your clash detection or verification as they are existing to new construction or, or what have you. Man, great. That's it. Great workflow. All that from the top of your head. Boom. Boom. <laughs> Mic drop. With that, man, I think this is a great episode, and uh, um, I'm looking forward to the next one. I think BIM 360 is a great talk. And then after that, uh, we're going to start getting to these interviews. We've already got uh, first person in mind. Um, we'll talk about that on our next episode once we get that time and date confirmed. Um, but uh, stay tuned, guys. BIM 360 is next.